0: So uh, i'm so glad you're here acts chapter 8 is where I asked you to turn a moment ago And uh, I I don't often like to discuss things that I hear people say about others Uh, The way I look at it is if people don't care enough to go to the one they're talking about I don't care enough to repeat what it is that i've heard them say but I have heard something so many times I feel like I have to just address it this morning Some people have been talking about you And what I hear frequently, no less than twice a week about you, is that you guys are nice. I love it when I meet guests who come to Coastline. I always ask them, how did you hear the church? And I love to hear that story. And I'll ask them, what was your impression uh, of your first visit at Coastline? And uh, almost universally, someone will say they were very nice, or someone will say uh, they were really uh, kind to me. And, And I think there's a word that sums up what they're expressing about you. They're saying, in a sense, you are a welcoming people, a welcoming people. And uh, of course, uh, as you can imagine, I'm always glad to hear that. I, I love our church. And I've got to tell you, as a pastor, I believe that I get to pastor some of the best people I know and some wonderful, wonderful Christians. I believe that there's a heart at Coastline, although imperfect. I believe there's a, a core that loves God and loves people and treats others with dignity and respect because of our theology and a God that teaches us to do so. And one of the best ways to share God's love is to become a welcoming, person and as a church we work at this all of the time we have our guest experience team and our ushers and and so on but really i I want you to know it has to go deeper than that if we're going to be the local church body that expresses god's love in a welcoming way it, it has to go down to the point where each of us understands that we are what the bible's called ambassadors of jesus christ And that we have a responsibility to interact with others in a way that would lead them to think more highly of Jesus Christ. Each of us should go out of our way to make sure others know they are truly welcome in our context at Coastline. I've been announcing for the last several weeks that we're approaching a special day in the life of our church. We call Open House Sunday. We're now two weeks away. And uh, this is a day we've set aside for the purpose of saying, hey, let's all invite our friends and our family and our coworkers to join us for just a really great day. On Open House Sunday, we're gonna do, in a sense, what we always do, but we hope to take it up a notch. More great music. I'll be kicking off a new teaching series that day that deals with areas in all of our lives where we tend to get bogged down, and we're gonna discover how we can gain traction to move forward in faith. Uh, we're gonna share a meal together on that day. The kids are gonna have a lot of special things. It's gonna going to be a fantastic day from beginning to end and so open house is our opportunity it's a sanctified holy excuse for us to speak to those in our lives and say man we would like to invite you to come to church with us on that day in addition of course we'll be making sure that we uh, invite guests and encourage them as they arrive and we need to make sure that we go out of our way when they come to welcome them to welcome them i often look at it like this I want you to imagine in in a faraway place, a state far, far from here, I want you to imagine someone praying passionately, desperately for a loved one who needs God. Just imagine that. Their heart's broken, they have a loved one that needs the Lord. And then I want you to imagine that in the course of the next two weeks, somehow that loved one happens to live in our area, and maybe they see the banner out front, or they see something on social media, or a coworker invites them, or an invitation's left on their door, or maybe all of the above. And I want you to imagine that person that desperately needs God, stumbles onto our property. I, I pray that we treat that person the way the one that's been praying for them would wish that we would treat them. That we would enter into their lives and help them and care for them and let them know they are truly, truly welcome. But, but I, I also want to share with you today that the concept of welcoming people, it includes much more than just waiting for someone to arrive so that you can show them kindness. I know that's the way we most often use the word in our culture. When we think of welcoming people, that means we're in our place, and they've come to our place, and as they arrive, we say welcome. But really, the word welcome has a broader meaning than that. The origin of the word welcome, if you studied and tried to figure out exactly what does the word welcome mean, this is what the word welcome means. A wished-for guest. A wished-for guest. So a truly welcoming church does not just sit back in the confines of their church building and hope that someone finds us. So if they happen to stumble in, we can say, welcome. It's bigger than that. If there's a guest that is wished for, you then go out of your way to say, hey, we're having an event and we wish that you would be our guest. That is every bit as much welcoming as saying welcome when they arrived. It's powerful. It's powerful when that is done. So over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the church alive, the church that's alive. We've been studying the first church as we're making our way through the highlights of the book of Acts. We saw the first church showed their life in Christ and for Christ by being a witnessing church. The last words of Jesus became their first concern. uh, concern. Jesus said, you shall be witnesses. And they were a witnessing church. They told people about the Lord. We saw last week they were a worshiping church. And we learned that the concept in worship is to lift up, elevate, to exalt Jesus Christ. And and in everything they did, there was this all-consuming passion to make much of the Lord. So they were a witnessing church. They were a worshiping church. And today I would like for us to see that they were a welcoming church. They let everyone know that they're welcomed in Christ. If you're able, I'd like to invite you to join me in standing this morning. As we look at Acts chapter 8 together. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1, Acts chapter 8 and verse 1, the Bible says, and Saul was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles now i'm going to read on the bible tells us in the very opening of that verse that saul was consenting unto his death it's, we'll see this more in a moment but i just want to give you guys the context the church in jerusalem it's been booming why they're witnessing why else they're worshiping and you show me a church that is alive and on fire for god people will come from miles around to watch a church like that burn when they're on fire so the church has been growing but persecution now comes as the verse tells us And uh, we find that Saul was consenting unto his death. The his there refers to Stephen who was the first martyr in the history of Christianity. And so we pick it up now in verse 2. The Bible says, And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church. Entering into every house and hailing men and women committed them to prison. I'll remind you, by the way, the Saul of which we read here, this horrible, hateful, murderous man in time accepts Jesus as a Savior, and he becomes who we now call the Apostle Paul. Aren't you glad Jesus changed his lives? Verse 4 says, Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, Hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with loud voices came out of many that were possessed with them. And many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. I'd like for you to go back to verse 4. And it's in the midst of this verse we find the reality that they went everywhere preaching the word. They went everywhere preaching the word. Why? They were a welcoming church. And I want us to think on this together today. Our Father, we are so grateful that when we open the Bible, we're not opening a collection of men's writings. We do understand that You used a collection of men to write these words, but they were inspired of you. And so we believe today we are reading the inspired, infallible, inerrant word of God. And so, Lord, we are not just studying church history. We're learning your pattern for how your work in the church is to be done. Open our hearts to this truth. May we live it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. There's something fun about new things, new things. Lisa and I have lived in the same home for over 20 years, but I, I still have etched in my mind's eye a memory of when we took our girls by there so that they could see it as we were preparing to move in there. And I remember how they ran around that house just so excited, trying to figure out who's going to get which room and what they're going to do in this place or that place. And, and it was so much fun for them to see a new house, at least a house that was new to them. I can remember a time coming home from a car dealership in a new car. And I remember walking into the house saying, I got it, and the family getting excited. And then, and then you know what happens next. Let's go for a ride, you know. And, and so we'd all climb in the car, and then we would have to stop along the way so that our kids could take turns sitting in the front seat, you know, and they had to keep peace in the house. And, and it was a lot of fun. Why? It was a new car. It was a new experience. Maybe you've had a new friendship. Now, I have the deepest and greatest of appreciation for those long-standing friends that I've had, but it is fun when you meet a new friend, and there is a connection, and it seems like the new relationships, they they grow at a more rapid pace because there's so much room for growth, and, and it's fun to have a new relationship. And I think that churches can be similar. When the church was launched in the book of Acts, it was filled with new believers, who were overjoyed of their new life in Jesus Christ, and they were delighted to be a part of this new work called the local church. Everybody in this new church, they worked together. It was a place filled with love, and it was overflowing in worship, but they would find themselves at quite a crossroads when the tough times came. And the time, the novelty wore off, the newness wore off, and they had their first test in the form of trouble that came from within the church problems within there were some people in the church and they got together and they thought you know we're not getting as much attention as the other people are getting and so this church it was on the move they had to slow down and stop and deal with this problem and they did they got together and, and uh, they, with very spiritual minds, addressed the problem that may have had some carnal roots, and, and uh, they said, we need to deal with this." And they did. So problems came from within. They addressed them, and now they're back on the road, back in motion again, but not too long after that, they had pressure, this time from without. The government and religious leaders of the day were threatened by the rapidly growing church. And so what they decided to do was to lash out in persecution to prohibit the church from growing. To prohibit Christians from being bold for Jesus Christ. It was during this time that the first Christian was killed simply for being a Christian. We read of him in verse one. Stephen was the first martyr in the history of the church, and we can wonder, what did he do to be killed? He must have done something wrong. He did not. He was questioned and declared that he believed Jesus to be God the Son and the way to salvation. The foot of persecution, if you would, came down on the fire of the church. And when that foot came down on the fire, the embers spread. And in that moment, everybody wondered, what's going to come? become of those embers? Will they burn out before they hit the ground, or will they light fires where they go? People wondered. And it was in this moment that a man by the name of Philip arises and shows us a great example of what it is to live a welcoming life. He broke down barriers between races. He broke down barriers between places. And we glean from his example how we can be as Christ would have us to be. A welcoming church comprised of welcoming Christians. If you're taking notes today, and I believe there's a place on your worship guide to do so, I'll share just several very simple thoughts with you this morning. First of all, I'd like to share this. Allow God to use every circumstance. Allow God to use every circumstance. As I prepared this message, I, I considered beginning my reading in verse five. If, if your Bible has the little paragraph symbol in verse five, that lets us know it was kind of a break in thought and it, it continued from there, but we also know that chapters and verses and the paragraph symbols were kind of put in there for our ease in reading, not necessarily inspired, but very, very helpful. And as I began to think, well, I'll start in verse 5, I I was going back up to the beginning of the chapter and I realized, you know, verse 5 doesn't make great sense unless you put it together with verses 1 through 4. It sets the stage for what Philip did. Some of you may recall that this series began as we looked at Acts chapter 1 and we focused on verse 8. That's where we learned they were a witnessing church. If you're still with me, say amen. Amen. So where did this series begin a few weeks ago? Primarily in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 where Jesus said, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea. Everybody say Judea. Judea. And in Samaria. Everybody say Samaria. Samaria. And unto the uttermost part of the earth. Those were the marching orders from Jesus Christ. He said, I want you to be witnesses both at the same time in jerusalem where you are and at the same time i want you reaching out someone could say how can you be a witness in two places at once aren't you glad we have missionaries like the cax in Papua new guinea and the paneros in vanuatu and about 70 missionary families that uh, are doing the work while we're doing it here so in a sense we're seeking to do what jesus said we want to be a witness in our jerusalem but at the same time in other places. And so Jesus said, here's what I want to happen. I want this thing to grow, to expand beyond your area. And I want you to see today that Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 that I just read to you is tied very directly to Acts chapter 8 and verse 1. Acts 1.8 and Acts 8.1, they come together. It's important that we see that. When you do the first part, you get the second part. Let's look again and think of verse 1 in our chapter, where the Bible says, And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea. Everybody say Judea. Judea. And Samaria. Say Samaria. Samaria. Except the apostles. So the church is on fire in Jerusalem, it's growing, they are alive, they are witnessing, they are worshiping, and in that moment we see that that those in Jerusalem are enjoying the Christian journey, and then hardship comes. And I have no doubt that a believer in that moment would have thought something in his heart, maybe expressed to God in prayer, I wonder why this trial had to come to our lives. We're trying to do our best. I mean, we're witnessing for Jesus. We're, we're uh, worshiping Jesus. We're trying to do what's right. And, and this difficult moment came. And that would have been a fair question to ask. And a lot of these questions don't have easy answers. Back in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, Jesus said, you shall be witnesses. I want you to do it in Jerusalem. But he said in all Judea and in Samaria. And then to the uttermost parts, they they did a great job in Jerusalem, but their outreach stopped there. In Acts 8 and verse 1, the Bible says they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. Here's the point we have to take from this. God in his infinite wisdom and in his love and and grace for the world, he used the circumstance of hardship as an occasion to lead his church where he wanted them to go. Somebody say amen. See, God is a way of using every circumstance in our lives as occasions to speak of him to those we encounter along the way. Did you know that persecution has actually been much more kind to the growth and development of the church than prosperity has ever been? Sometimes we forget that China is a communist nation. It's a wonderful nation, and those are people we're to love and we're to pray for, but there's an incredible crackdown right now in china it's a difficult time if we were to go back sometime china went through something called the cultural revolution and prior to that there was a lot of great works being done for the Lord. And they estimated at that time there were about 800,000 people who professed to be followers of Jesus Christ. And the Cultural Revolution came, communism cracked down, missionaries were kicked out, churches were closed, Christians were imprisoned. One well-known preacher in China at that time, man by the name of Watchman Nee, literally, they cut his tongue out because he refused to to stop speaking of jesus and praise god for that because he then got out of pen and he's written some of the most incredible books you'll you'll ever read about how to be a follower of jesus christ the persecution came the foot came down on the fire well in time as there began to be a little bit of a crack, a breach, if you would, in that curtain. And we were able to look behind. We saw that during that time of persecution, it wasn't the end of the church. It was not the end of Christianity. It was, in fact, a time where those who knew Jesus were incredibly welcoming. There were people that they desired, and and we know that they still continued to speak up for Jesus. And and when we were able to look back in, it's estimated now, and the estimates vary greatly, but somewhere between 50 and 100 million uh, Chinese people profess faith, during that time. And what many people thought was an end became an incredible opportunity to be a welcoming Christian and a welcoming church. Why? Because God can use every circumstance as an occasion to use your life for good. Friends, some of the greatest victories we've ever had at Coastline have come on the heels of some of the most difficult times through which we've gone. Now, I'm not perfect in this, but believe me, I'm, I'm not seeking to boast, but I've been at this long enough now I almost get a little bit excited In anticipation on the inside when we go through a series of difficulties, because I often think, you know, every time this has happened in the past, God's getting ready to do something big. That's the way God works. He can use every circumstance. And and we would many times look at our country and say, it's getting more hardened to the gospel. and, And fewer people are professing faith in Jesus. And there's an utter sense of hopelessness that's just burgeoning in our day. Suicide is rampant and all of these things. And I would say the darker the night, the brighter the light, Jesus can use every circumstance, even the circumstances in our lives and in our world for his good and his glory. If we want to be a welcoming Christian and a welcoming church. We need to allow God to use every circumstance. Here's the second thought I find in this passage. We need to meet people where they are. Meet people where they are. Some of you have heard me say over the years that when we have a special day like Open House that we want to invite everyone. And we're working on that. As you leave today, you're going to see all those flyers out there, and I've done my best to invite our church to have a part in helping us to invite everyone. Next Saturday morning at 10 o'clock, we're going to meet right here as a church, and we're going to have a word of prayer and partner up, and and, uh, it'll be a piece of cake. If you've not done this before, you can come out, and you'll see it's super-duper easy, but we can go out and invite everyone. But as we seek to invite everyone, it's important that each of us as individuals invite someone, specific someone. Now, something similar happens here in verse 4 in our text. The Bible says, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere. They went everywhere. And then in verse 5 we read, then Philip went down to the city of Samaria. So, I mean, there were people going everywhere, but Philip said, I will go somewhere. A specific locale, a specific location. And the place he went was Samaria. Now, as you've seen and we've seen together, the church was called by Christ to take the gospel to Samaria. Jesus had emphasized that. But no one was going to Samaria. We could wonder why. And it seems clear that things were going quite well in Jerusalem prior to the persecution coming. All was well. Christians were were learning to get along and needs were being met. and, And friends, I want you to know it's a dangerous thing when a church gets so comfortable with their churchianity that they refuse to think of those who are outside Of the church and outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ it's dangerous when we lose our heart for others I believe another likely contributor is the fact that the Jews which the first church was a Jewish thing it was comprised of Jewish people they didn't like the Samaritans give you a little background on Samaritans. They were from the northern tribe of Israel, but then they married non-Jewish people, and so uh, a lot of the Jews looked at them, and they said, you know, uh, th- they're, they're bad for having done that, and they've intermarried with non-Jews, and so they were considered impure. They were considered social outcasts. In fact, Jews would many times walk all the way around Samaria just to avoid setting foot in that place. In, in fact, even in John chapter 4, when Jesus did the scandalous shock Thing of going through Samaria and speaking to a woman there which a rabbi didn't do His disciples are like Lord. What are you doing? We don't talk to these people. Aren't you glad Jesus talks to all people? God's people were beginning to learn there really is no difference There really is no difference in Romans 10 and verse 12 the Apostle Paul wrote he said for there is no difference Between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Another time when he was preaching in Acts 17, he said this, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. He said, let me tell you about everybody on the face of the earth. We all bleed red. We've got one blood, if you would. And and it is true that different nations and different people have different cultures, but it is not true that God welcomes some more or less than others based on their nation of origin, their ethnicity, and what have you. And I want you to know today that any church that is truly alive for Jesus Christ will be filled with people who, like Jesus, have a welcoming heart towards everyone, towards everybody. I love John three sixteen. For God so loved the world. He wasn't speaking of the globe, the planet, the trees. He was speaking of people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And friends, if God loves everyone, we should too. So Philip, in his welcoming way, he goes to Samaria and Many people responded to the gospel. and In verse 6, the Bible said it this way. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake. In verse 8, the Bible concludes this part of it by saying this. And there was great joy in that city. Why? The gospel message was declared. People received it as their own. And it was changing lives. And it changed an entire city. Philip's next encounter comes down in verse 26. We didn't read that far, but had we continued to follow Philip as he's leaving from this persecution, we would go down to verse 26, and it was there that we find Philip ministering to an Ethiopian man. And being of a different race, that meant that Philip now had to cross a bridge that none had crossed. And, and the Bible tells us this Ethiopian man was a eunuch who served in the court of his queen, Queen Candace. And, and uh, as a eunuch, that would have meant, from a Jewish perspective at least, you're ceremonially unclean. And you also are an outcast. But you see, Philip had a heart for everybody. He no longer cared about any of that. He, he essentially said, if when you bleed, it's red when it comes out. You're my kind of person. I want to be there for you. That's the heart to have. We make a massive mistake when we label some as beyond the reach of God. God welcomes everybody, and we must as well. It wasn't many years ago, there were no Christians in my family. No Christians. A college student took his summer break to be a short term, short time missionary to children went to a small farming town in colorado and invited uh, all the kids who would come to come to like a vacation bible school type of thing and my dad and his brother and their sisters went and my aunt arlene was the first to get saved and all the kids in time got saved and and then there was the matter of my granddad uh my granddad uh, he, he's uh, he's in heaven now. He was just a tough guy, you know And uh, he, he used to tell me he was a tough dude He would tell me that he wanted me to be aware of that and He certainly was but you know, he was tough in his heart before he came to know Jesus he farmed and in the off time he'd work in the oil fields and and uh, he was a hard-working man and and yet When he heard the gospel message of jesus christ and he understood that god loved us so much that god became man without ceasing to be God that he lived a sinless life that he willingly laid his life upon the cross of calvary to die for our sins My grandfather began to resonate with the truth of that he understood he was an imperfect man a sinful man And he began to comprehend what is the love of god and that which god has done for us and he trusted jesus christ as his personal lord and savior and all of his life was changed and i'm telling you today that our family tree looks vastly different christians almost everywhere you look in our family tree now why because one person said i want to be welcoming to everybody in this area it's true that some are more resistant than others but friends everybody seems to do better when we respond in love and if you're welcoming In the way you treat others, you'll be shocked at how God can use your life to change, not just the one you're speaking to, but maybe all those around them. The closing verse of this chapter, we read in Acts chapter 8 and verse 40, but Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Just just stop with me and let your mind absorb what's happening here. The Bible just mentions, and by the way, how many of you have learned the Bible mentions nothing without a purpose? So it's like okay Philip went to Azotus. Well big deal. What's Azotus? Well Azotus was the Greek way of referring to a city that the Old Testament calls Ashdod which was one of the capitals of the Philistines who were the arch enemies of the Jewish people the Israelites. Here's a city that someone has said that city has a bad reputation, bad things happen there, I, I don't want to go there. And again, we're seeing the heart of Philip. He said, you know, there's people there and uh, God loves people. I'm going to go to that city. And then the Bible says he, he was there and then he went until he came to Caesarea. What do we know of Caesarea? Caesarea was almost entirely a place where Greek people lived, non-Jewish people, people different than Philip. And he preached in all those cities and, and he just had the heart that said, listen, if God loves everyone, then I will too he met people where they were he didn't have a mindset that says come on come be like me and maybe we can have a relationship he said I'm gonna go to you let's tear down these barriers along the way the final thought we glean from this text if we want to be a welcoming Christian and a welcoming church we must focus on the message of Christ Focus on the message of Christ. The final words in verse 5 were these. And preached Christ unto them. He didn't start with a message about geopolitics. He didn't start with his take on the latest political scandals. He didn't try to convince everyone to see everything just as he did or to appropriate his culture onto them. He, he simply shared the love of Jesus and the message of salvation. And friends, I am telling you, I've heard people say I don't like the church and I don't like Christians, but I want you to know this, there is nothing, absolutely nothing unwelcoming about Jesus Christ. And if we want to reach people for the Lord, we do well to preach Jesus because he's a savior of love and forgiveness and grace and mercy and acceptance. He gives us a purpose. And we would do ourselves a great favor if we would say in my life I want to focus on the message of Jesus Christ. I'm a red-blooded American. I love our nation I've heard it said and I would concur. I would rather be dead than red as in communism I'm against all of that. I love this country. I've got deeply held political views, but we hurt ourselves Incredibly incredibly when we want to require the world to agree with which a cable news station we listen to before we'll even talk to them about Jesus Christ. I just happen to believe if people will accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Jesus can probably help them to come to the place where they need to be in whatever area. And as Christians, we need to be welcoming. How do we do that? By keeping it about the Lord. There's nothing unwelcoming about Jesus. In fact, in Matthew 11 and verse 28, Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. We could wonder, I wonder how many people are, are under a heavy burden in life. Well, that's everybody. Jesus was all-encompassing in that invitation. And he said to them, I will give you rest. In John 7, Jesus said, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. No qualifiers. No qualifiers. He said, anybody, you can come to me for those needs you have in your life. Now, I'm glad to tell you that the power of the gospel can change all of us. It can change the way we viewed life before Christ. But I'm equally glad to tell you today that God's welcome to us. It's not conditioned upon us having it all together before we have a relationship with him. Because apart from a relationship with him, we can't possibly get our life ordered in a way that is true to his word it all starts with a relationship and that all starts with the message of the gospel which is the message of jesus christ you know what this region needs a church that's alive alive a church that's a witnessing church they are lifting up jesus not trying to build a kingdom unto themselves but they're interested in god's work They need a witnessing church. They need a worshiping church who see everything we do in life as an occasion to elevate the personal work of the Lord. And they need a welcoming church. And by that, I don't mean a church that sits on the inside and just says, if anybody happens to come in, we'll be nice to them. No, we understand that a welcome extends long before that because there are guests we would wish to have. So we live a welcoming life. We live a welcoming life. That's what this region needs. Christians who are welcoming comprising a church that is welcoming friends people definitely need for us to treat them well when they come but they need for us to treat them well by going out and inviting them and i want us to learn from philip to allow every opportunity to meet people where they are and to share jesus christ with them in love god can use you god can use me this is a matter of obedience it's not some special thing that some few people can do this is something God wants everybody to do you can be welcoming I can be welcoming and when you get enough people who are welcoming we we can be the welcoming body that Jesus would have us to be and I pray to God that we would not be a dead church that goes through the religious motions but that we'd be alive witnessing, worshiping, welcoming. Our Father, we're thankful that you are so...